0: Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The Word of God for our meditation this morning comes from Romans chapter 14, verses 1 through 12. As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but do not to quarrel over opinions. One person believes he may eat anything, while the weak person only eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. Thus far, God's holy word. You may be seated. In the name of Christ, whose blood has set us free to be children of God, dear fellow redeemed. Author of the popular hymn, O Little Town of Bethlehem, Phillips Brooks once said, No man in this world attains to freedom from any slavery except by entrance into some higher servitude. There is no such thing as entirely free man conceivable. What Brooks said is actually quite understandable. Even in this nation where we profess to be free people, we are yet beholden to the laws of this nation. We are not completely free in the sense that we can do whatever we would like. But as part of serving the higher good, there are certain activities that we refrain from doing. Even in our spiritual lives, we are not free in the pure sense of the word that we can do whatever we would like. Paul says as much in Romans 6, Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God, that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed, and having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. Though you and I were once slaves to sin, held captive by it and driven by it, we were broken of that slavery by the blood of Christ who paid the debt that our sins accrued. Now, instead of being slaves to sin, we are slaves to righteousness. That is to say, we are no longer to live our lives for ourselves, but rather according to God's will, not ours. In our sermon text for this morning, Paul looks at our new life as Christians from a different perspective, that of Adiaphora. Adiaphora is something that is neither commanded by God nor forbidden in Scripture. For example, upon Jesus' ascension into heaven, he had fulfilled all of God's law perfectly. He brought to an end the Old Covenant, and all its regulations, as outlined, In the law of Moses, it used to be that the Jews would have to refrain from eating things like pork or shellfish. But now, because the law of Moses had been fulfilled, the restrictions on food had come to an end. They were now free to eat pork and shellfish and other items that were previously forbidden. And some Jews embraced this newfound freedom in Christ and they partook, along with the Gentiles, in their consumption of these foods. Meanwhile, other Jews had a more difficult time adjusting to this freedom, and they continued to practice their tradition, eating kosher food. Neither party was wrong with what they were doing, because God left it to their own personal decision and freedom. The other topic of Adiaphora Paul describes in this section is that of days of worship. Some Jews continued to observe the holy days that they were used to. They observed the Sabbath day or the Feast of Unleavened Bread to remember their exodus from Egypt and their deliverance from slavery. On the other hand, other Jews did not find it necessary to celebrate these holidays because they had the holidays of the New Testament church. Easter, Good Friday, Pentecost, the Lord's Supper. Neither party was wrong in and of themselves because days of dedicated worship were adiaphora. Some followed tradition, while others made new traditions. So what is the problem that Paul runs into? Well, it was an abuse of the freedoms that the people now enjoyed in Christ. In other words, they took their stance on adiaphora, but insisted that others follow what they believe is a right way and only way to perform those adiaphora. In verse 5, Paul says, one person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. And this really gets to the heart of the issue. In a case of Adi Aphra, it often becomes a matter of conscience. In other words, one is so fully convinced that how they decide to do something is right that to go against it would be going against their own conscience and a breaking of God's will. And a matter of conscience is not something to just easily dismiss. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord since he gives thanks to God. While the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. To ask someone to go against their conscience in, in a matter of adiaphora is asking them to go against their way of honoring the Lord who died for them you are asking them to not honor the Lord in the way that they believe is right. And because we are talking about things that are neither commanded nor forbidden in Scripture, Paul says it is not good to alienate or to pass judgment on your brother or sister over something that the Bible does not say, thus says the Lord. Suppose I were to say, this year we are not going to have a uh, worship service on Christmas Day. I would expect to hear some kickback and displeasure. Celebrating Christmas Day is neither commanded by God nor forbidden in Scripture. It is an adiaphora. However, it has become such a deeply rooted tradition that it is a matter of conscience to many people that we honor our Lord by celebrating the day of His birth. And so it would be wrong to suggest removing this holiday from our rotation of service. I would be asking you to go against your conscience in how you believe it is best to serve the Lord. And there are a number of other traditions in our church lives that fall under this category of Adiaphora. We are free to choose how we want to honor God in our lives. But how are we to handle Adiaphora in a way that allows us to be free and considerate of our fellow brethren? For none of us lives to himself and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord both of the dead of the living? Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. Live your life to Christ who died for you. This is what sets you free. At the beginning of the sermon, I reminded all of us that we were once slaves to sin. We served our, only, our sinful flesh and our own flesh only. We could not care less about the will of God, his law, or even in doing what is right or wrong. But all that changed, and God was the one who brought that change. Jesus delivered us from the darkness of sin that controlled us and kept us in the slavery to Satan. His perfect life covered the debt that we kept piling up. His perfect death broke the chains that held us captive. And by his resurrection, Jesus set us free, completely free, to be children of God totally free from the power of Satan and from the consequences of our sin. True freedom was brought to each one of us through our Savior. But true freedom does not mean that we are able to do whatever pleases ourselves. Remember, this is how we functioned when we were slaves to sin. Rather, it means that we become servants of our Lord and of each other. We seek to honor God because of all of which he accomplished for us. Our lives are dedicated to him because without him, we would still be dead in our trespasses and sins. In dedicating our lives to our Savior, it also means we live our lives according to his love. Paul says in Galatians 2 verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Our lives as Christians are free, truly free, because Christ has set us free. Your sinful flesh was nailed to the cross on Calvary. No longer is it to have dominion over you. Rather, the spirit of God's love is to rule over you. And the spirit of love, though you are free, makes you a servant of righteousness and God's will. It is what compels you to look on your brothers and sisters in Christ in the same love that God showed you. The spirit of love is what keeps you from lording your freedom of adiaphora over and against your fellow Christians. But rather to help your brother and sister honor the Lord according to their convictions. The spirit of love is what forgives one another, even as God in Christ also forgave you. In this sense, the Christian life is a walking contradiction. We are free in Christ, yet we are slaves to his righteousness. But it is once we understand what it means to be free in Christ, that we understand this servitude is not a burden, but a blessing. Being set free from our sin has completely changed your life and mine. Instead of being destined to hell, we are destined to be heirs of heaven. And instead of being consumed by the desire for ourselves, we are to have love, not just for our fellow Christians, But yes, even for those who hate us and are our enemies. Instead of lording our freedoms over each other, we are to join one another in praise and thanksgiving to our God who died for us. This is what it means to live a life to the Lord. This is what it means to be free. Live because you have been forgiven by God and transformed by the blood of his Son. Amen.